0: clinical review in the BMJ looks at the diagnosis and management of spasticity in adults. I'm Navjot Lader, clinical reviews editor, and to discuss this I'm joined by one of the authors of the review, Dr Siva Nair, consultant neurologist from the Royal Hallamshire Hospital in Sheffield. I'm also joined by Ian, chairman of a UK support group for people with hereditary spastic paraplegia. But first with the clinical perspective, here's Dr Nair. Hello Siva. Uh,
1: hi Navjot.
0: Uh, Siva spasticity can feature in a number of different diseases. Can you describe what it is and some of the conditions that it might be associated with?
1: Spasticity is actually due to an overactivity of the muscles. The muscles become more sensitive to any kind of stimulation and in later stages the sensitivity extends to such a degree that they remain stiff. Uh, even without any stimulation. So the patients can present with various symptoms like stiffness of their arms or legs, difficulty in walking. Uh, It's a common problem among uh, long-term neurological conditions like stroke, multiple sclerosis and uh, traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries.
0: Okay. And in the review, you describe how you you may be assessing people who have a new onset of spasticity for the first time, or you might be seeing people who have worsening of their spasticity. So can we talk a little bit about first, um, what the approach is to assessing people with new onset of spasticity? Yeah, the,
1: the most common presentation of spasticity to general practice may be somebody with an existing neurological condition like uh, stroke or multiple sclerosis where diagnosis is not an issue but a proportion of uh, patients a small proportion of patients may present to the uh, general practitioner with spasticity as their initial symptom uh, the conditions uh, that that can present with spasticity in- includes one is compression of the uh, spinal cord, like uh, disc prolapse, causing trapping of the spinal cord in the neck. Uh, the other causes, rarer causes, include uh, degenerative conditions like motor neuron disease, uh, the rare forms of multiple sclerosis, like primary progressive multiple sclerosis, and inherited conditions like hereditary spastic paraparesis. So when you see a patient with spasticity as the presenting symptom, The things that we need to look for carefully is to try and localize where exactly this is coming from. Uh, This includes a uh, good clinical examination to look for evidence of any sensory level. So that will tell us whether the spasticity is coming from any particular part of damage to any particular part of the spinal cord. Uh, In the history, the important thing to... uh, notice how the disease evolved and progressed Uh, it's also important to get the history of uh, uh, overseas travel or immunocompromised immunity as sometimes uh, tuberculosis uh, can present with uh, spasticity.
0: I see okay and then the management of new onset spasticity will tend to be under specialist care whereas uh, general doctors or junior doctors may be more involved in seeing patients under their care with another condition that's already been diagnosed, as you mentioned, like multiple sclerosis or a stroke, who might present with worsening of pre-existing spasticity. Now, the approach to their assessment is slightly different. Can you talk us through that? Yeah,
1: The first thing to look for is, are there any triggers which is making the spasticity worse? The spasticity can be worsened by a urinary tract infection, uh, constipation, uh, sometimes during menstruation, if there is any small injury or a pain in the leg, like an ingrowing toenail. So a wide range of conditions uh, can make spasticity worse. These patients often may not have uh, good sensations, So they may not pick up the pain due to an injury and the presence of an injury or manifest as a worsening of the spasticity. So the first thing to do is to do an examination and check out whether they have any of these uh, conditions uh, and exclude the triggers. Once you exclude the triggers, then you need to assess and find out what is the impact of this spasticity on the person. Uh, the spasticity is not always bad. Sometimes people use spasticity for uh, standing or sitting upright or walking, transverse. Uh, so you need to treat spasticity only based on the, uh, the disability or the discomfort that it causes to the patient. So spasticity is causing pain or discomfort then uh, the, one of the first steps in the management is to bring in a physiotherapist and get a uh, comprehensive assessment by them. Uh, the non pharmacological methods like stretching and exercises are usually the first line management when pain or discomfort is not a major issue. If pain or discomfort is a major issue, then uh, you can go for um, uh, an oral anti-spasticity drug, usually baclofen.
0: Can you tell us a bit then about the approach to management and what the goals of treatment are?
1: Uh, Well, the uh, treatment, uh, the, the aims of treatment of spasticity is uh, it is not that the spasticity by itself you you may not need to treat it. Whether uh, it is controversial whether you just by, yes, by treating spasticity whether you prevent complications like contractures. Currently there is no evidence base to support that. Uh, on the other hand, the tr- the treatment of spasticity is aimed at the relieving the effects on the patient. So it's important to assess the impact of spasticity on the patient and find out what exactly the patients want relief from. Uh, For example, if they want uh, relief from pain or discomfort, then it is better to go by, go the pharmacological route. On the other hand, if they want to sit more upright in their chair or if they want to stand or walk, you may need to go more for physiotherapy uh, so it, the the co- common goals are a relief of discomfort and pain, uh, improving the posture, standing, walking. Uh, b- well, especially in young people with spasticity. Spasticity sometimes can have an adverse impact on their um, self-esteem and their uh, body image. So uh, for them, correction of uh, the obvious deformities like a bent elbow while walking, it may not have a functional impact, but just uh, keeping the limbs straight while they are walking, uh, that improves their self-esteem and improves their body image. So it depends on what the patient... And the carers uh, feel is the spasticity doing to them and then we have to tailor the goals based on that.
0: And in the review you outline the various treatments that are available and you very helpfully outlined the considerations when deciding what path of treatment to go down. Um, one of the difficulties in the field that comes across in the review is that there's a lack of good robust evidence for many of the treatments um, is there a consensus on treatment or is it an area of debate?
1: Uh, yes, I think uh, well, the lack of evidence is a problem in the treatment of uh, spasticity. I think by and large, the general consensus and uh, is to try non-pharmacological modalities like um, uh, physiotherapy and occupational therapy assessments and interventions as the first-line management and consider the pharmacological interventions only if there is pain or discomfort and then decide on, if they say that, okay, we need some kind of uh, help for relaxing a part of the body or relaxing a particular uh, group of muscles, then we have to uh, help them with that. Uh, Unfortunately, it's very difficult to generate good quality evidence about spasticity. Uh, Partly, this is because of uh, lack of uh, a proper assessment uh, methods. The commonly used scale is the modified actual scale. Sometimes it is not very sensitive and this is again not the patient's perception. The scale is it's the perception of the assessor, not the patient. Uh, so how much this is really worth the improvement that we are getting in modified actual scale to the patient is uh, debatable.
0: I see. Okay, thanks for that. And um, can you uh, give us an indication of what are some of the complications that doctors or people caring for people with spasticity need to be aware of?
1: Um, Yeah, the uh, spasticity can sometimes, uh, is associated with uh, several complications. Is it Directly due to spasticity, or is it due to immobility and the associated problems? It is debatable. But people with spasticity do experience complications and these complications uh, include one of the most dreaded complications is obviously pressure ulcers. Uh, In addition to the conventional pressure areas like sacral region and uh, um, heels, the spasticity can also sometimes cause ulcerations in the palm of the hand due to um, the nails digging into the palm uh, due to extreme stiffness. Sometimes you can get uh, ulcers on the sides of the knees because of the uh, opposite knee coming and pressing against the skin there. So uh, this is something that the uh, carers and uh, uh, patients' spasticity need to be aware of. Mm, The lack of mobility, if the limbs are left in a particular position, then uh, later it becomes uh, difficult to move them and they end up having uh, contractures. When uh, the on the other hand, the treatment of spasticity is also sometimes associated with complications, especially falls. Uh, people with weak legs, if they have uh, the legs stiff, they still may be able to stand for transfers and taking few steps. So you treat them with antispasticity drugs, that stiffness goes off and that puts them at risk of falls. Uh, so this can happen as a side effect of the treatment. So patients and carers need to be aware of this.
0: So this comes back to something that you've mentioned and um, comes across in the review that treatment is all about weighing the the sort of beneficial effects, if you like, with, um, with the other effects. Okay, um, let's move on to some of the more prognostic type information that patients may be interested in. Um, Firstly for people with uh, long-term neurological conditions such as MS or stroke um, I imagine they sometimes want to know what their risk is of developing spasticity. Um, Is it too variable or is there some data that you can give them?
1: It's not that all patients with stroke or MS will develop spasticity. Data suggests that around uh, 30 to 35% of uh, uh, long-term survivors of stroke uh, uh, get troublesome spasticity. The figures are uh, slightly higher for multiple sclerosis. Uh, It varies from uh, around 40 to
0: uh, 65%. Okay. Um, And then another area that can sometimes be difficult to discuss is the idea of neurological recovery in people who already have spasticity. How do you tend to discuss that with patients?
1: It depends on the primary diagnosis. The spasticity is not a primary pathology. It is the result of an insult to the brain or the spinal cord. Uh, So the final outcome depends on what is that insult. Uh, By the time you see A person with spasticity for example if it is due to a cervical cord compression a surgery to release the compression may help in relieving the spasticity on the other hand if you are seeing a person with multiple sclerosis 10 or 15 years down the line coming with spasticity in the legs well we need to manage the effects of spasticity and um, the and probably they will need that management lifelong
0: okay all right and then finally can you um, tell us if any good resources that you rec- can recommend for people living with spasticity or indeed clinicians who want to find out more about it? Um,
1: the uh, There are nice guidelines on management of spasticity in uh, children and young adults. Uh, unfortunately there are no such guidelines for the management of uh, spasticity in uh, adults. Uh, the the uh, uh, for the professionals for the clinicians the uh, ebrain is a good uh, source of uh, information about uh, spasticity as well as various other neurological conditions uh, this is uh, free for uh, uh, use but requires uh, registration uh, the uh, the multiple sclerosis uh, society and Multiple Sclerosis Trust have good websites which gives a lot of information about spasticity. Uh, similarly, uh, spinal cord, uh, or, dot .org also gives a lot of information about spasticity and uh, li- living with spasticity.
0: That's great. And in the review as well, there's also a list of resources for healthcare professionals and for patients as well. So thanks so much for talking to us, uh, Dr. Siva Nair from the Royal Hallamshire Hospital in Sheffield. Thank you.
1: Uh, thank you, Navjeet.
0: Spasticity can have a big impact on day-to-day life. To give us an insight into what it's like to live with spasticity, I'm joined by Ian, who has hereditary spastic paraplegia, or HSP, and who is also chairman of the Hereditary Spastic Paraplegia Support Group. Hello, Ian. Hello. Uh, Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, for people who aren't familiar with HSP, can you tell us a little bit about the condition?
2: Yes, HSP is a very rare neurological condition. Um, It affects about one in 10,000 people. It's a progressive condition. Early symptoms are perhaps the odd trip or just scuffing of the feet. But this progresses usually to a scissoring gait, and eventually many patients will need a wheelchair.
0: Right, okay. Um, and the clinical review in the BMJ looks at the impact that spasticity has on people and some of the treatments that are available. And HSP is one of the conditions that can cause spasticity. Um, can you describe some of the physical effects of this symptom that you've experienced?
2: Okay. Well, currently, I can I can, I can just walk without the use of sticks, but it's um, it's not safe. I I drag my feet. I would. Trip over um, any any raised surface. And when I'm fatigued, um, th- this wouldn't be possible at all. So most of the time, I use I would use cr- I will use crutches or other walking aids. Um, I have little I have little pain, uh, al- although because of the way I walk, this can lead to overstretching muscles and tendons, which which cause um, wear and tear on other joints and muscles which 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 causes a a pain for different reasons if that makes sense okay
0: i see and um, what kind of impact does that have on your life so getting around outside the house getting dressed those sorts of things
2: oh it has a huge impact everything everything is a struggle getting dressed um, getting a pair of socks on, or a pair of trousers on is, is quite a fiasco I often um, need, need the help of my wife um, getting around um, I mean up until recently I would always struggle on on crutches or, or, or with a stick if I'm having a day out now I will nearly always use a, a wheelchair or a scooter to conserve some energy and just just to make life um, safer and more enjoyable
0: okay and in your experience, I mean, not necessarily personally, but perhaps through your experience in the group, can you tell us about some of the sort of emotional effects or psychological effects that the condition can have?
2: Yes, um, as you say, I've got um, a lot of experience with, with people with the same condition. I, I think almost everybody with a condition like mine suffers from depression, even, even if they're not really totally aware of it. It has a huge effect on people's self-confidence. Many members of our group um, are very low in self-confidence. They can't. They don't believe that that they can do things that, that they clearly can do. Um, it, it, pe- people tend to shut themselves up a little bit and, and and stay inside, which which obviously is a bad thing to do for many reasons. And 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 you know that's a confidence issue, but they'd be better off getting outside and, and, and using those muscles a little bit because I do believe that the, the more active I can keep, um, the slower my progression. I'm a strong believer in that.
0: So kind of what you're saying is that sometimes the emotional impact can then have an effect on the physical impact as
2: well. Absolutely, yes. And, and another thing that lots of our members say, and I've experienced myself, is, is for spasticity Worsens with stress, so um, you know avoiding uh, avoiding stress is, is is paramount. Okay,
0: and can you tell us a little bit about what kind of support has been available to you, and and what you found most helpful in dealing with dealing with the condition?
2: Yes, I think um, because of my. Uh, position as chairman i've been quite lucky because because i've i've met lots of top consultants but from my original diagnosis uh, i went to the, the national hospital of neurology and neurosurgery uh, in london which i think is is, is probably the center of HX, hsp expertise in the country uh, and i used to have an annual consultation with them uh, which which was excellent where they would you know, keep keep an eye on me, but but update me on things that are available um, that might help.
0: Okay, and what what do you consider to be the important areas um, to discuss with your doctors and other healthcare professionals when you go for your appointments?
2: Uh, I think um, things like depression, it's the psychological effects are very important because people people have you know, no no awareness of that. So things like Um, Depression, fatigue. Fatigue is a huge thing. Things like insomnia, um, which is probably caused by the stress and anxiety, Um, and 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 services that aren't available. Sorry, services that people have no awareness of or little awareness of. Um, And by that, I mean things like functional electrical stimulation. That's been a great help to me in the past and the, the urgency to see not just a physiotherapist but uh, a neurophysio um, and get like a tailor-made stretching program.
0: Okay, so through those clinics you've been able to you know, find out about services that you might not have otherwise known about?
2: Yes, I have, yes. Uh, that, that's through the, the London Hospital. Um, lo- locally there's, there's little knowledge of, of my condition.
0: Okay, so that may be helpful for you know um, perhaps non-specialist doctors just to be aware of that there, there may be other resources that that are worth
2: exploring. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, and sort of following on from that, are there any aspects of your care that you found less helpful or think could improve?
2: Yes, there are. I've um, locally, I've had, I've had great trouble in the past. Getting referral to a physiotherapist. Uh, uh, in fact, I've had to at times. I've had to go privately for a while. Um, I've also, again, with physiotherapy, I've been. I'm sure it's all related to 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 Finet funding, NHS funding, but I've been put in a like a class of patients with multiple sclerosis, and of course, I've got a different condition, and I'm sure probably warrants a, a different exercise program um just trying to think if there's if there's anything else no it's prob- probably just the, the physiotherapy side of things so
0: that ha- can be quite difficult to access care sometimes
2: yes and I, but i think it's specialist care it's yeah it's, you know it's or very specialist care
0: is there any advice from your experiences that we haven't talked about yet that you would like people to know about or any lessons that perhaps you wish you knew earlier?
2: Um, yes, I mean, I think one thing certainly applies to me and I, I, I've noticed it applies to loads, loads of members of my, my charity. Uh, we all, I think it's a pride thing um, and I wish there was some... Expert service that could provide advice on this, but I think we, we we all tend to run ourselves down into the ground and do too much. Um, by that I mean s- struggling with spasticity, walking walking around the shops, walking to a football match, walking to the post office, um, and 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 I'm not saying here give in and use a wheelchair, but what I am saying is um, um, use a Use a disability aid like a wheelchair or a scooter and and enjoy your trip to the football match. Conserve that energy and then use that saved energy wisely when you get home in the evening to do maybe um, a sensible distance walk or the correct physiotherapy or the correct stretching program.
0: So don't always feel that you need to push yourself or to be too hard on yourself.
2: No, I think you know by pushing by pushing myself and being too hard on myself, and I know this applies to others. Uh, we pay for that for the next few days, um, intense fatigue the next day, um, and and then and, and you know and, and then you're no good to anyone really. Right. Mani- managing my life is is it's all about managing the condition and pacing yourself and working working out your priorities and learning to rest learning to get enough sleep, and, and for me, learning to only do half an hour in the garden and not stay out there for two hours, um, learning to sit down and have a rest, you know, just, just, it's all very obvious, but it's, it's something that most people aren't very good at. You know, mm. There is something called the expert patient plan. Um, I know some people with HSP have, have done that, and, and if, they, if, if they learn to, to stick to what they've learned, Um, they do say their life improves a little bit.
0: And um, are there any um, resources that you can recommend? So both to healthcare professionals to learn a bit more um, about the condition or to other patients as well?
2: Uh, Yes, I mean, firstly I would guide people to the HSP website which is hspgroup.org and that's full of links, full full of useful information
0: Thank you for joining us, Dr. Siva Nair and Ian. The clinical review is now published on bmj.com.